Hi everyone, it's Kevin. Uh, Mike is not here yet. He's on his way to record uh, this episode of the Bad Buns of Machine Guns podcast. But I have a secret message for all of you that I don't want Mike to hear. So uh, if you're a regular listener, you know that Mike is uh, quite the fan of The Simpsons, as am I. But he's fond of quoting Simpsons episodes. And so I don't want him to know that I'm doing this. But because we're covering Pumping Iron in this episode and there's going to be a lot of bodybuilding going on, I predict... No, I, I more than predict. I guarantee that at some point in this episode, Mike will quote the following line from the Poochie episode of The Simpsons. And that quote is as follows. One kid seems to love the Speedo Man. I don't know what the context will be. It'll either be that or one guy seems to love the Speedo Man. I guarantee that Mike will quote that at some point during the episode. I'm going to be starting a timer. And <laughs> I'm going to see how long it takes him to quote that line. I know he's going to do it. The only question is when. So this is a little game that uh, you and I can share. Mike doesn't know I'm doing this. So uh, I'm going to start a timer as soon as the episode starts. Once we're done with the credits, I predict he will quote that line within 10 minutes. That's my prediction. So remember, the line we're listening for is, one kid seems to love the Speedo Man, almost certainly in that cadence. So... uh, yeah, listen for that. We'll see if I'm right. I, I, I know he's going to say it. That's not in doubt. It's just how quickly we'll get to it. Anyway, he should be sh- here shortly, and uh, we're going to record this episode of the podcast uh, about pumping iron. So listen to this intro music, I guess, and we'll be right back. Pumping up. Pumping iron. Pumping up. Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keane, and today we're discussing Pumping Iron, released by Cinema 5 on January 18th, 1977, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, featuring Louis Ferrigno, Maddie and Victoria Ferrigno, Mike Katz, Franco Columbu, Ed Corney, and Ken Waller, written by George Butler and Charles Gaines based on their book by the same name, directed by George Butler and Robert Fiore. Did you remember anything about this? About from the last time I watched it? Yeah. Yeah, some things. I mean, the first time I watched it was pretty recently. I think it was right before we started doing this podcast. But I mean, I don't know. There are certain things that I think at least stuck in my mind. Okay. It had been a long time, and I do want to... uh thank netflix for having this one yeah one of the uh, in the queue which was great because i did not want to buy this one yeah agreed it, there haven't been a lot i mean netflix doesn't really have movies anymore which no. is <laughs> that's a whole separate side topic. Yeah, change their name yeah but certain things do stick in my mind like i definitely remember him talking about franco colombo and i give him the advices you know <laughs> advice is, is great advice is stuck in my mind it's sort of like where is pancakes house uh, a little bit yeah <laughs> i mean arnold's english is pretty good at this point but obviously he still had a little bit of a ways to go he's like 90 yeah. percent there yeah, the thing about, like, someone asks him, like, do you drink skim milk to stay healthy? He's like, no, I drink beer. When you grow up, you have to drink beer. It's milk. I think it's milk's for babies. Milk is for babies, yeah. When you grow up, you have to drink beer. <laughs> so I'm heeding Arnold's advice. I have, I'm drinking beer for this episode yeah, because Arnold, Arnold said I had to. Yes. You have to drink beer. No, yeah. <laughs> you, you really don't have a choice. You don't matter. have a choice. 
Uh, Since yeah. you don't drink, I thought about getting you a glass of milk, but I thought that might be a little insulting. Well, you could have got me a root beer, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any root beer right M- now. Milk's for babies. I am not a baby. That's true. It's been a long time, so I really didn't remember uh, much from this. And what stuck out in my mind is we said so much in Stay Hungry how just that crowd down in Birmingham just loves bodybuilding. Yeah. I don't know if the crowds here were staged. I mean, I don't think so, because I think the footage, at least for not the interviews, but for the actual competition, the, is legitimate. Yeah, the competition is 100% real. Um, there's They did a, a behind-the-scenes thing like years later. I don't know if you found that. It's called Raw Iron. It's like just the making of pumping iron. I saw it was out there. I also saw that there is like in the early to, or maybe mid 80s, there's a pumping iron, or like women pumping iron. Yes. Yeah. That's so I don't is, know if that should be a bonus episode we do someday. <laughs> Potentially. I mean, we, we tend to do sequels that Arnold's not in, and that's one of them. Yeah. So it's on the table. But, um, but yeah, the but anyway, crowd just goes absolutely insane. Yeah, in Raw Iron, they say that they didn't, they didn't change. Like the, they just filmed the competition, they didn't stage any of that. And yeah. No, I think I was the one, or I, I don't remember, I think I was the one who was skeptical of that. Oh, you were saying, like, that can't be what the crowds are actually like at those things. But, but I, and I agreed with you, though, because it seemed over the top of watching this, they're going insane they for are, this. Yeah, they're really going, even like the little podunk one that they show, like, halfway through. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's a county fair or something, but some kind of, like, there's like, there's like a calliope or something, like, like an organ grinder playing, that's how podunk it is. <laughs> they, they cut to the, the bodybuilding competition, and you just hear, like, boo doo doo it's like where is this was that during the build up with Ken Waller yeah 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 and, yeah, and Mike uh, Mike Katz I think yes that's yeah. a part of that sequence yeah. yeah Arnold wouldn't have been caught dead in that, <laughs> that county fair bodybuilding competition um, but yeah I mean even that crowd is like packed all the way to the back row and they're going they're cheering all the way through and it's just it's so insane to me why was there such an interest in this do you did you get I mean I don't get it. I at mean all. I mean it's a subculture. I, I don't understand anything about bodybuilding, even after this movie. That's the one thing <laughs> It doesn't really tell you much. No, I you know, I remember enjoying this movie before I knew it was partially fictional. Okay. I think I like it less knowing that it's staged in a lot of ways. because uh, I don't they don't do a very good job constructing an interesting story. Like if if this is all real, then whatever they got, what they got, it's a documentary. You can't if you're not trying to ma- manipulate the right. story to then, try and get drama to tell a better story. Yeah, then right. I think it works a lot better because it's like, well, that's just what happened. But if you take it that they're trying to manipulate it, and nothing was scripted, but there were scenes where they're like, hey, talk some mess about this guy, you yeah, know, whatever, talk trash, like that football scene where they're throwing on the football. Yeah, like, I'm gonna steal this shirt. It's like yeah. that was entirely it, you know, fictional, and it felt that way. I didn't, yeah. you know, look that up, but it felt totally staged. But I didn't when I first saw it. it I didn't know any of it was fictional so i totally bought it gotcha even if it is like once you know it's like boy these guys are trying to act and like improvise and ooh, like you know i mean no offense to these guys they're not actors no they're being asked to do more than they should be their asked skill, to do yeah their skill set um well, i had a point and i totally lost track of what my point was but whatever i mean i i think i will say this i like arnold more because he's such a, a bastard in this movie and it's he, like, he is but at the same time i don't know if you felt this way i you can see and again knowing a little i knew a little bit of it was staged i, I don't know how much and didn't find out how much but you can see the the charisma that he has and it, it's not surprising that's absolutely true that yes that he's definitely highly competitive and and you that comes out and again i don't know if they were trying to get him to pump up the jam if you will and really turn it up for the cameras no no pun intended oh that pun was definitely intended but at the same time you can totally see his charisma yeah and not necessarily like what you know if i saw this and didn't know who he was it's impossible not to know who he is now 
But I don't think I'd say, oh, that guy's going to be a movie star. But seeing it, I can, I can see it now that he is a movie star. Why he was able to get Hercules in New York and some of that early stuff because some of that charisma comes through. Well, and they wouldn't have made this movie without him. Like, they built the movie around Arnold, yeah. for sure. I mean, it was to the point where they talked about it on Raw Iron that Arnold was going to do... He basically had, he had already retired from bodybuilding before they even started filming, and they convinced him to go to one more time. compete one more time so that they could film it and build a movie around it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I keep forgetting what my points are. I had a point again. Um, I shouldn't, this is, this is you I get, shouldn't have hit a beer. Yeah, you should be a baby and drink milk. Oh, I mean, in terms of his charisma, like that's, they wouldn't have made the movie. I mean, it was entirely, you know, structured around he, Arnold, even though he had never been in a movie at that point. When they, when they filmed this, uh, uh the other Charles Gaines movie, the one you just mentioned. Oh, stay hungry. Stay hungry. Uh, when they made this stay hungry, hadn't been released yet. Right. And or possibly even filmed. I'm not sure of the timeline, but I think they filmed this before they filmed stay hungry. So they built, they, they, they built this entire movie around Arnold who had never been in a movie before. That just shows how much they saw the potential in him to say, you know, like, you know, they believed in him as a, as a movie actor entertainer. If, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are really just my kind of general thoughts on this. This is probably going to be a, a little bit shorter of an episode. It's a relatively short movie and yeah. there's, you know, not a ton of narrative, if you will. I mean, it's clear that neither one of us have any interest in bodybuilding. Not that there's anything like, you know, it's, it's, I could see how a movie about the bodybuilding subculture could be really fascinating. I don't think this is it because it is partially fictional. Yeah. It's like, why not even, uh, why not just, make a legitimate documentary why did they feel that they had to do that i'm not sure but the other thing that i thought was interesting to think about watching it assuming that again those crowds weren't staged and there and it seems like there's at least a, a somewhat healthy fan base for bodybuilding at the time it's interesting that the you know the action heroes of the 80s were you know these huge mus- muscle bound guys and then as we move into i don't know it's probably more the late 90s and 2000s that that changes pretty significantly so I, again, I'm not going to say that there's like a, a growth uh, that, you know, bodybuilding was was this huge sport and was on ESPN. But I, I wonder if that the reason, you know, why kind of some of those action stars is that maybe maybe that, that was more prevalent of an interest in the you know 70s and 80s. And that's why we got more muscle bound action stars. Yeah, I'm not sure what that graph would look like, but um it's interesting to me watching this that it's all about aesthetics. It's not like it's a it's a strongman competition. No, I think it's not like at all. entirely about the aesthetics of it. And I see, you know, every time I see a clip of bodybuilders now, it's just like that looks like the most disgusting. It's just like, you know, I mean, whatever. I, I don't necessarily understand. It's one of the things I wish the movie had communicated better. Is I don't understand how the judging. Yeah, how it's being judged. It's like symmetry and whatever. But it's just like go into more depth. I literally don't understand why Arnold is like head and shoulders the a Above, better right. Than Serge, right? Yeah, it's like I, I don't know. Like I have zero idea. It's especially because because they're not doing anything. It's, I mean, they're doing they're lifting the weights. And that's what they're doing. But at, at the day of the competition, it's not even like a beauty contest where they have to like speak and anything. They're just up there posing, right? So you know, the movie doesn't explain why does Arnold win? Why is it so obvious that he's the winner? I don't understand it. I, I mean, I didn't see it either, um, and. I guess that's okay. I mean, the movie kind of is what it is, and you just kind of take it for what it is. It it could have been better, you're right, of giving you a little bit more of this is what makes Arnold 
perfect, you know, right. for bodybuilding. And it's even like, it's a weird thing where that charisma that the movie shows is not something that seems like would come in handy in one of these competitions, although maybe it does subconsciously it, somehow. Or? Yeah, I, I mean, again, you don't know how they work the judges, you know, maybe before, they're probably not supposed to, but I would guess, you know, that they probably do. And, you know, I think it comes through not just in... Uh, the the competition itself, but you see it, you know, in his magazine shoots and stuff he's doing. I, you know, people probably just knew who he was, and are, that's the thing <laughs> is, it seems like it because it's all based on judges. It's so subjective. It would seem that it's very very easy to just be more popular than necessarily the better better bodybuilder. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, here I am. I'm going to jump to the end again. This is my traditional. Yeah, why not? Jumping to the end. We only have one more episode left. So, <laughs> but jump to the beginning for Terminator Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the end is the beginning is the end I guess in that case but um, no you know to your point when they introduce Arnold in the competition at the end the announcer's like the one the only Arnold Schwarzenegger it's like isn't that giving him an advantage like you're pumping you're, you're literally right. like building him up before he yes. even poses it, it like, did it's, seem a little bit unfair. it just seems like a coronation at that point all right but no one last thing before we talk about I, I do remember my previous point about Arnold's charisma. This movie is painting him as a villain, like, very deliberately. He's the guy who can't be beaten. He's won the last five times, and Lou Ferrigno is the scrappy up-and-comer who's going to try and take him down. It might be true, but I can tell you I was pulling for the villain the whole time. That's the thing. Arnold is so even they, they're trying to cast him as the villain. Even in that role, he is still so much more likable than Lou Ferrigno. Oh, absolutely. And how could they not see that? And, you know, there are times when they're, like, telling Arnold's life story, and it's just like, this should have just been, like a portrait of Arnold Schwarzenegger going for his final Mr. Olympia. Forget Mike Katz and Lou Ferrigno. It's just like, no offense to those guys. You know, I mean, I'm going to feel extra guilty this episode because these are all real people and I'm going to like <laughs> be saying things. But still, like, Lou Ferrigno, you know, part of it is because of his speech impediment and stuff, but it's still, he just isn't as interesting of a subject as Arnold. I mean, he just isn't. No. And none of these guys are, except for, except for I mean, I liked the Mike, Mike Katz stuff. I, I was going to say, I was, I was somewhat interested, and I didn't remember it. I was pretty interested in Mike Katz. So uh, of the others, that's who I was also the most interested in. Yeah, I just, I, they have such this interesting story about Arnold, you know, and the, the whole, like, him being representative of the American dream, which I think a lot of people build Arnold up too much in that regard, but even still, like, this, there's that there to draw on, and yeah, they, don't, a, they don't at all. No. It's, it, it's a great story all around, and um, it probably could have been done better, but, you know, we've got the, we've got the material that we can work from. And, well, another thing is, you know, you've got Mike Katz and Lou Ferrigno as the heroes of this movie, and they don't get any kind of a victory at all. Like, they both lose. They don't get even get any kind of moral victory. No. You know? Mike Katz has his family, and Lou Ferrigno gets cake. <laughs> and that's, that's all they get. They both lose. <laughs> so if you're going to script the, the movie. The Hulk gets cake, and Arnold has them sing happy birthday to him. That's true. <laughs> yes, you're right. Arnold, you know, he's magnanimous in his victory. Say. Um, anyway, yeah, let's get started. So, uh, so I love it that it opens up with the two Terminators working on ballet. Yeah, that's. I don't remember that at all. I mean, it makes no. sense that you know, you know, grace is a certain aspect of the competition and yeah. all that. But it is. I mean, they they're kind of playing it for laughs, but it's not really. I mean, they play it. No, I think it's Arnold and uh, Franco are taking it seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. But what I can't take seriously, and I hope you love these opening credits <laughs> and that song. Yep. Is so. I mean, honestly, it. Yeah, it was all worth it for those. I, and I wondered if you wrote, did you write down all the lyrics? Uh, no, but uh, the, the song will play at the beginning of this episode, so I'm sure <gasps> the, the listeners will have heard it already. I, the old-timey, just 
pumping iron. Yeah. I mean, I was just waiting for the medicine ball to come out. And one in particular I have is one of the lyrics, be ready and able if a friend's going to turn the table. <laughs> so awesome. I but, mean, and someone just wrote that in an afternoon or something. Oh, I know. But it, it, it totally made it worth watching this movie twice. It seemed, it, the music sounded to me like the music you would hear in the intro of an 80s driver's ed video. Or like an industrial video or something. Yeah. It's just no, like, what I'm thinking is the opening uh, in one of my favorite episodes of the UK version of The Office, the one where David ultimately goes home and gets the guitar. Yes, exactly. Those type of videos. Yeah, corporate videos. Just absolutely. You know, that kind of... And there's a whole industry that makes those videos. Yes. And they just have one guy cranking out music. I bet they just hired that guy. It's like, oh, the guy who makes the corporate video music? Here, <sighs> write us a song. There was such a great corporate video, and the irony of it is so it was... <laughs> It was a shoplifting video from my days at uh, Osco Drug, which no longer exists. Uh, um, Wait, yeah, it does, doesn't it? No, Osco. As part of Jewel? Oh, as part of Jewel. Yes, it does. I'm yeah, sorry. I got bought the, by Jewel. But. Yeah, but the freestanding stores where I worked oh, okay. do not exist any longer. CBS bought them. Uh, they had one. It was called Sadie's School of Stealing, and it was supposed to be <laughs> this, the shoplifter had a school you know, where she was teaching people. It was <laughs> Awesome. Did and they have their own instructional video for stealing? And at, yes. They, they were like a video within a video. That's and, kind of meta. I like and, and the ultimate irony is, is that a mutual friend of ours who also worked at Osco, I was able to get him to steal his <laughs> course, the copy of Sadie's School of Stealing from his store. I want to search on YouTube to see if it's on YouTube. I, if, I you can, so. if you can find it, you would make, because it was only VHS, because it was, you know, this is 1996. It was VHS back Oh, yeah, then. but a lot of people are like us, where that a lot of people want to preserve those things. Oh, the, I wouldn't be surprised if it's on YouTube. It deserves to be preserved, because I ne- I, I'll never forget the, the main theft that was in there was it, you... Uh, the suggestion from Sadie that you take, you just pick up a receipt that you found, you know, on on the street, and go in and say, "Hey, I was picking something up," and it's the best because this guy goes in and convinces that he bought the canoe, and it's just like it's like a sporting goods store in a giant canoe, and just a random receipt off the street gets just him a canoe, canoe loaded up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but what is the scam? I don't understand. The scam is he just, you know, he found a receipt for Dick's Sporting Goods and somebody went in and bought, you know, I don't know, like an Under Armour shirt. But who, what store gives out a receipt without the merchandise? It's like as a pickup? No, what I'm saying is that, so in the scam was this guy, found, like somebody dropped their receipt, their legitimate receipt, and he just goes in and, and sweet talks him and saying, oh yeah, I got my receipt right here. And then he never shows them the receipt, but I'm picking up that canoe right there. What I don't understand, like it's not a return. Like who would fall for that? I, I, I guess I didn't say that it was <laughs> smart. I'm just it not sure I understand 80s corporate video. I just I, I don't understand the scam. I never worked retail, so maybe I would have been the sucker who would have fallen for it. <laughs> Apparently so. Um, but yeah, this I agree. This music is so corny. It is outstanding. I mean, the whoever the singer is, like boy, he's just, he's just making like crazy like throat noises as he's singing. Pump it out. <laughs> What is he doing? Every single episode now, I want you singing. <laughs> that's why well, I got to get one in. Um, that's basically my only opportunity. There's not a lot of music. I mean, there's, there's a lot of weird background music. Yeah, but, but that, that, that song totally made it worthwhile. And so here's a question I have for you, too, is that I, I, I hadn't really ever thought about it, but is this the reason Gold's Gym is Gold's Gym? Oh, yeah. Or was it, was it a thing before this movie? I mean, I know it existed before the movie. What I'm saying is, is this what... I don't think it was a big deal before it became the mecca of bodybuilding. I think a lot of that had to do with Arnold. Gotcha. I think it, I don't. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I didn't look it up either. I probably my, my, my sense is that you know, prior to that crew that we see in this movie starting to train there and becoming like big in the bodybuilding scene, 
it probably was just another gym and then yeah do you think gold's gym was was like sven's gym not sven owens but sven from state oh, right yeah that it was a really no, run down thor not sven thor i'm sorry run down garbage place until joe santo i mean it didn't look that nice even in this movie i mean it's just a gym it's not it's not like it's not as run down as thor's gym but uh, i mean yeah maybe uh, I mean, well, Arnold is something that the movie never touches on, but Ar- Arnold was already like a millionaire at this point. He was a self, you know, he, he, he made a lot of money even before he became an actor. I didn't know that. Yeah. He made money in real estate. Like he, when he, you know, he, he would win these prizes in bodybuilding and he would invest in, in like real estate and stuff. And he became, he was a millionaire by like age 26 or something. Wow. So yeah, I wonder if he probably, he may have put money into the gym himself and who knows. Well, it, it is interesting when you say that, you know, gold gym probably got put on the map because in this opening scene, he's walking around like he owns the place. Oh, he does. <laughs> I mean, it's very clear. He walks in and everyone's like, hey, and a guy literally jumps into his arms. You know? yes. um, I like how everyone is big whatever. It's like, hey, there's Big Mike. Hey, there's Big Tony. It's just like, isn't everyone big in here? This is a bodybuilding gym. And it is perfect because that's the last line of the movie, too. Uh, big Louie. <laughs> yeah, Big Louie. Yeah, that's definitely... They, they found that... Well, I mean, it's, it's obviously just a thing that Arnold did at the time. or just like, he nicknamed everyone Big Whatever. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it's kind of nice that they bookended the movie that way. But I just thought, like, you know, at some point, you can't call people big whatever if everybody yeah. in the room is gigantic. You should single out the little people and say, little Mike. Yeah. I've said Jiminy Jillikers so many times, the words have lost all meaning. <laughs> well, it made me think, it made me wonder if there are two guys in the gym named Mike. Are they competing to see which one of them is Big Mike? <laughs> they have to like, I gotta lift more. That, that guy's Big Mike. Ten more reps. <laughs> Um, I think so. I, I would have liked to. I, I was speculating that that if, if there's multiple guys, only one of them can be Big Mike. But anyway, yeah, we get some footage of bodybuilding competitions. Kind of introduces everyone in the movie. Yeah, and the you also get. I found it interesting that most of the individuals get their stats when they're introduced. Not everybody does, but almost everybody, including starting with Arnold. That he's 28 years old, six foot two, 240 pounds. Did you notice that with almost everybody? Uh, it might just be. I've got it. It's almost the everybody. four main guys. I think it's Arnold, uh, no. Mike Katz, Lou Ferrigno, and uh, what's the red redhead guy's name? Ken Waller. Ken Waller. No, Serge. Serge gets it too. The guy. Oh, from you're France. Right. He does finish second, so maybe that's. But he gets it late. Like he only gets introduced in the movie like ten minutes before it's over. By the way, this guy is a here. late entry into the competition. <laughs> well, I, we basically means we didn't have footage of this guy. Right. They weren't. Fo- he lived in France. So right. the, the film crew wasn't following around. They're just yeah. you know they filmed him when he was there at the competition. I want to talk about that guy. I don't know if we should do it now or what. We wait until he actually appears in the film. It doesn't matter to me. We can just jump around on this episode. Okay. Because I don't want to forget to bring this up. You know, the, the fact that this competition is in Pretoria, South Africa, during apartheid, and this guy wins second place, and the movie makes zero big deal out of it. Yeah. it the movie does mention offhandedly, like, this is the first time that... Uh, any kind of competition is allowing both black and white competitors. It's very offhand. And when you consider that the only reason why that guy didn't win the competition is because they made, they decided to make this movie and Arnold decided to make one more go around. It's like, what a story that would have been if, you know, Serge had won the competition in apartheid Africa, you know, in 1975, yeah, it I, just it boy. Once I started thinking about that, I mean, I'm not sure if it has the same gravity of you know Jesse Owens in the Olympics, but it would be big news. It would be a big deal. I mean, it's yeah. a big deal that, that he even competed. I, it seems like again, it's all very like beneath the surface. The movie's yeah. not putting focus on it at all. 
But yeah, I mean, that seems like he, he shows up 10 minutes before the movie's over and it's just like, this, that's obviously the story. I mean, they couldn't, the, they weren't following, like you said, so there's nothing they could have done. But Right. And it's, it's funny because in some ways it's almost, it would almost been better if there was a secret, second documentary crew that just happened to have been following him to make that movie, right? Right. A French uh, film crew. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would rather see that movie, I think. I think that would have been a much more compelling movie. And, you know, I have no doubt that he was going through a lot in yeah. that situation, you know, both emotionally and literally, just like, you know, being in South Africa at that time and being in this competition. Yeah, I'm sure there's an amazing story there. And we get a, a tiny, tiny bit of it. And then we get birthday cake and Arnold smoking yeah. a stogie in an Arnold's numero uno yeah. shirt. We never even really get to meet him. The, the, the you know, Serge, uh, what's his last name? Newbray. Yes. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure I, I touched no, on it's that. No, it's an excellent point. And it's not often on this podcast we're going to have anything that's politically charged and, you know, kind of historic, if you will. Yeah. Well, I, I just, it's obvious they just, it was a third rail that the movie didn't want to touch, but they should have. I mean, just, you know, I did not judge this movie well in that sense of just like they should have addressed it more. Yeah. Not, even if it's not, they're not going to like t- totally make Focus. the movie about that, but yeah. just like one scene, something. Yeah. Anyway, so we uh, we get some the early philosophy here from from Arnold uh, about bodybuilding being like a uh, being like a sculptor. I don't know if you remember that. I'm, I'm distracted because I have notes about this guy in yellow overalls, which I, I was calling him the third Mario brother. <laughs> He's working behind the counter. I missed that. Um, it's funny because he Arnold like says hello to all the bodybuilders, and this guy's obviously not a bodybuilder, and he totally. Ignores him. He shakes the guy's hand, doesn't even look at him. Wow. So just like to Arnold, if you're not a bodybuilder, he's not interested in having you in his world. <laughs> Your third Mario brother is interesting. So let me just get out there what I couldn't get out of my head with Ken Waller. The one kid seems to love the Speedo Man. For some reason, Ken Waller reminded me of the Speedo Man from uh, The Simpsons. Hey, Mike. <laughs> you said the magic phrase. Before you got here, I recorded into the microphone that you were going to say that phrase <laughs> at some point in the episode. <laughs> and I that was, was, I was the, correct. Maybe that might have been the safest bet there ever was. And to be honest with you, that is the actual reason I had for this timer. <laughs> 24 minutes and 32 seconds. Into the podcast. Uh, not to say that you're predictable, but I, I literally, before you got here, I, just, I, rec- I, I had a secret <laughs> recording just for the listeners. I should just retire now and walk <laughs> off the fine. stage. No, don't feel bad. It's I, I knew you were going to do it. I, How can I not? <laughs> I will say that I predicted you would say it in the first 10 minutes of the episode. So you, 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 I beat, you I made beat your model. 25 minutes. Sorry, uh, what was your actual point about Ken Waller? He just, that's, of them, he's the one who reminds me of the Speedo Man. Oh, do, uh, He's not so. the most, I mean, I, the Speedo Man in that episode Aren't, is more muscular, but there's just something about Ken Waller that reminds me of him. Aren't they all Speedo Men? Like, I, I, why him? In, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember what the guy looked like in the I don't episode. know, man. It's his smile or something. I don't know why. He does seem like the kind of guy who would kick sand on the nerd on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, now that you mentioned it, yes, that's what it is. It's his demeanor more than anything. Uh, so then, I, I do like when they're interviewing Arnold. I don't know if it's here or later, but they're interviewing Arnold, and he's just hovering around the, the yes. interview. Uh, is it during the interview, or is it when? Because he's hovering around taking his own... Oh, then too, yeah. When Ferrigno and Arnold at, are having breakfast. breakfast. Yeah, yes. that's that too. I told him, no, that's not what I'm talking about. So okay, yeah, he the, hovers twice. No, they're just interviewing Arnold and Gold's gym. I think they're talking, that's when they're doing his backstory. Yeah, okay. And now he I'm, keeps walking past and like poking his head in between them. And <laughs> I, I'm so Ken much. Waller. 
Um, he's so jealous. You know, even though they're obviously pump, like playing up his, I'm trying not to say pump, pump up. Yes. <laughs> um, playing up the rivalry. Yeah, they're, well, they're playing up his personality. He's not that much of a jackass, but I think a little bit. There's a little bit of truth, truth in, in everything. Just, yeah. So after you get the philosophy about, uh, you know, a sculptor and bodybuilding being, you know, kind of one in the same, but the bodybuilders have it tougher. You know, sculptors can just put on more, more clay. Yeah. This is when you get on. I don't oh. know if they told him to, to tell this about what pumping up is like. Oh, the pump. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, um, yeah, it's. I mean, that's another. Uh, I'm coming everywhere. <laughs> that's another line that I remembered. I don't know how you couldn't remember that line. It's been a long time. Coming into gym, I'm coming in. <laughs> coming. Do you have all the places? I should have. No, I, I didn't write it down. I should have written. Did one. he say church is one of them? I don't know. No, no, no. That's right. that's later. He talks about church, but uh, he does, definitely does not say he's coming in church. Okay. Here, I could, I could, I have the time stamp if you want to play it, but it's like. I, I, well, let me walk you through like my, my notes here. Cause I said, that's fine. If the pump feels so great, why are you grimacing when you do it with Arnold face? That's well, it's, it's almost uh, a different face. Cause he's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a legitimate pumping workout. Up face. Yeah. But he's like, it feels so amazing. It feels so. And, and so my note is it feels so amazing. Why are you grimacing? And then he compared it to, I'm coming everywhere. And I, my note is, I guess that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> explains that's why he's awesome. grimacing. So, yeah. Uh, so from there it transitions. Oh, oh go ahead. Well, you're, you're probably going to the same place as me. I just want to. I didn't want to skip it. The prison. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm. Not, why would bodybuilders go, be going to put on a show there? You know, I'm sure uh, somebody thought it was a good idea. It's like prisoners have nothing to do. They'll they'll show up for anything. So it, it's true. I, I guess maybe it's for the film crew. But what I I do have a note. This is where I particularly had it. Is that here and maybe it's just because it's early on. You can really see Arnold's charisma. Yeah, when, he, when he interacts with all those prisoners. This is you one mean? of the funniest moments in the movie. Where, like, I, I assume that's a, a woman prisoner. Also, yeah. he, he gives her a kiss. He's like, oh, she hasn't had a kiss in a long time. Yeah, let's and, take the shirt off. And some guy goes, "I could go for a kiss," and he's just like, "Oh, this guy." And he's yeah. like, "No, no, no, her, her." Um, I just thought that was, the way he handled oh, it was really com- funny. Yeah, he completely. He handles it really well, and that's what you can right. totally see how he can play up to an audience without crossing any lines. Like yeah. he totally, he very easily, deftly dan- tap dances around that situation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, his charisma comes through there for sure. And but then, yeah, after this is when we then get introduced to Mike Katz. Uh, well, first there's some Southern guy we get. He's just like, I came here to help. Arnold wanted to show me how to pose, and he's oh yeah, the little guy. That's right. Yeah, he's, he's like, don't shrink, or whatever. Yeah. And the little guy, he's like, I got an idea for a pose. And he basically does like a Heil Hitler. It's like, don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I didn't make that connection, but you're right. It doesn't seem like a good idea. But then again, I don't know what, I don't know what typical poses are. Um, but anyway, yeah. This, well, in this, particular, because then you get Mike Katz, who's Jewish, introduced in the next scene. Yes. Yeah. That's, that is absolutely. I didn't even that's think about that. terrible editing. Yeah. But th- this is that podunk uh, country fair uh, yeah. place. I mean, there's, there's not, there's not a lot about Mike Katz. Um, I, I did find it interesting, you know, that, that he played for the New York Jets. I just thought he would—he was the next most interesting of the subjects after Arnold. He's—I mean, he definitely seems like a genuinely like a nice guy. Yeah, but I—I—I I, I don't like the way the movie kind of deliberately portrays him as—I mean, a loser is too strong a word, but he—he he compares himself to a kicked dog, and he's just—and yeah. he, he loses the competition at the end, and he's just like, oh. When I won my first trophy, you know, he's just like, I won a trophy once. You know, yeah. he's very... Uh, loser's probably not right. I don't know if his bridesmaid is, is right. But yeah, loser's too strong. I, I, he's just, he's, he's a very nice guy to a fault, and the movie is kind of... 
playing yeah, it up. Because he ends up losing, it's just like, I'm not sure I like the way he's being portrayed. If I was him, I wouldn't be happy with the way the movie portrayed him. But I, I don't know. I mean, he, he definitely, I agree he is the next in, most interesting you know, yeah. person to follow. He does. He is the opposite of Arnold, though, in the fact in that he has like very little charisma. Yeah, he, I wrote down Hulk Hogan minus the charisma is what he is. His hair is very Hulk Hogan, but the yeah. fact that he's—I think he was a junior high teacher. Yes, I cannot imagine having this guy as a teacher in junior high. Well, I can't imagine being a junior high teacher in that situation because, like, again, he is a very nice guy, and junior high kids are savages. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's true. They are they are making fun of him behind his back all the time. All the time, Mister Mister Muscles, <laughs> the you know. Speedo Man, is what they're saying about yeah, him exactly. all the time. Um, He's going to get oiled up. Exactly, oh, guaranteed. There's there's one kid in his class every, every year day. who's the smartass and who's, yes. who's making quips about his bodybuilding career. I did feel a little bit. He's got a, maybe a little bit of an edge to him, just a little tiny one, because his poor daughter Michelle. I mean, she just gets run down, and she's got no arm muscle. She's like two. <laughs> right. Well, his son is the one who's like, no muscle. And yeah, his, <laughs> I guess that's right. You think he could have been like, be nice. Step in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's your, she's your little sister. Give her some time. <laughs> that's true, because his, yeah, his, his next time about daddy. Right about daddy. He wants to get his ego yeah, pumped. Instead of uh, like assuaging his daughter's ego, he, he's got to <laughs> look at this one. Daddy's got a big muscle, huh? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... They seem like a nice family, but it's like, <laughs> that is a weird moment. Yeah. Um, and so in, in here, Kat says that he thinks that the, because they're, he's competing in the, the non-professional portion of the competition. Right. This is where we get all his backstory. But, yeah. Well, here's the thing I want to touch on with him, because he talks about how he was kind of picked on when he was a kid. Yeah. And he lists through the things that he was called or things that were said to yeah. him by, by other mean kids, like, Hey, four eyes, or hey, cross eyes, or hey, you've got rusty fenders on your bicycle and your bike isn't as good as bike, or hey, and then he goes to an ethnic slur. Yeah. It's like that came after rusty fenders on your bike? That's the thing? <laughs> That's the bike bothered you more than the ethnic slur? It was fourth on his list of things that he remembered bothering him about what kids were calling him. That seemed strange to me. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that is interesting. After rusty fenders. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe it wasn't that as prevalent as the maybe the Rusty Fenders was like every day he's getting picked on for his Rusty Fenders. There was only one kid who was the anti-Semite. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know. Why, why is that one above the other one? I just don't. Uh, do you do you think it was that little guy that Arnold was teaching that was doing the Heil Hitler? It could, yeah, it could one? be. Um, yeah, and then yeah, this is where we get the stuff with the jets. And there's a newspaper clipping which I did write down. Oh, I I saw it, but I didn't get any of the details from it. It, it seems like. Sports writing in the 60s was a very... They weren't uh, getting the top writers for sports writing in the 60s. It does say that he signed a four-figure bonus. It's like, ooh, a whopping four figures. It's the 60s. Yeah, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just looking through it. Oh, it says Mike Katz signs packed with Jets. I did notice that. <laughs> like that packed? Yeah. It's, it's, like a, it's, it's like not a, a contract. It's no. a packed. He's... he's <laughs> He's signing like you know the something with the Suez Canal right. that, that you're able to access yeah, it. A non-aggression pact, yes, or like a suicide pact. This <laughs> 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 pact seems like there are very specific situations where you sign a pact. Him and Joe Namath that if they don't win the Super Bowl, they're both going to commit suicide. Well, I mean, I think that was the Joe Namath period. So yeah, um, I'm assuming he was an offensive or defensive lineman. Well, no, he was a fullback. Really, it says 6'2", 242 pound fullback who runs like a halfback, the thing the article says, was signed in the office of Jet Coach Weeb Eubank, which also is a pretty good name. That is awesome. I looked him up. Yeah, he was he was uh, Joe Namath's coach. All right. Anyway, 
Yeah, and then so you this is when you get the transition to Ken Waller uh, because Cats, which I'm going to guess, you know, is probably staged. They got him to say that, you know, he thought the competition was going to come down between him and, and Ken Waller, who I have is uh, between Speedo Man or Mr. Perfect is what I have. Now you're going to see a perfect plex. Wait, who is Mr. Perfect? Ken Waller. Oh, you're saying those are the two things you could compare him to. Yeah, that's that's. Oh, what I you thought you were saying of. it was Speedo Man versus Mr. Perfect's Mike Katz. Like, oh, that, no. That's no, not, no. no. No, Ken Waller reminds me e- either or of Mr. Perfect or Speedo Man. <laughs> uh, he's a redhead. There must have been somebody. I, I guess Roddy Piper was sort of a redhead. His hair is way too red to be Mr. Perfect. I guess. In my opinion. Um, but yeah, this is where they're throwing the football around, right? Yes, and, and you get the, the thing on the shirt. Yeah, Here's he the thing. this nefarious plot to steal his shirt. <laughs> you do not. I, I have a specific note. You do not get Ken Waller's stats, and I don't know why. Oh, you don't? No, you don't get them. Oh, so, so it, I was right that it was four. I was wrong about the four. Yeah. Because you don't get his, but you get maybe because he was a smaller guy. and he you, didn't. Well, you get a little bit about Ed. I want to say Ed Rooney, but I know it wasn't Ed Rooney. Oh, Ed Corny. Ed Corny. You get that he was a nightclub owner and his age. That's right, and that guy reminded me of a wrestler. He reminded me of Ravishing Rick Rude. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not Mr. Perfect, but yes. No, that, that guy is. is like that guy looks exactly like Ravishing Rick. To the point where I looked him up and be like, was that sure. Ravishing Rick Rude? <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> the way he like when he's doing his posing, Poses. I can't I I don't know how to describe it, but like when he's transitioning from one pose to another, he does like this flourish with his hands, just like I don't know, something about his like mannerisms and the mustache, obviously. The whole deal. No, that's a good call. So yeah, and then we're right to the competition, which is weird. Yes. Why are they doing this so out of order? It's just like they're portioning off the Mike Cat story, you know, because the competitions were only one day apart. Yeah. Uh, yes. For right. Mr. Olympia and Mr. Universe. Mr. Universe. Mr. Universe being for the non-professionals, right. and that's what Cats and Waller are participating in. Yes. And that was one day before. So, but yet we're seeing it now, and then we're going to go back and cover the Lou Ferrigno stuff. Yeah. Why did they structure it that way? Why didn't they just go back and forth between all of this? And I, then, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I probably would, if it were my movie, I probably would have done it your way. If anybody would have done it that way. I really don't think this is a well-put-together documentary or docudrama or whatever you want to call it because that's a crazy decision. It makes the whole opening stuff with Mike Katz and Ken Waller just fall by the wayside. Yeah, it feels like filler. It feels like an afterthought. Here's the the preamble before the main event to the point where it almost it kind of makes Mr. Universe feel like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like we're just getting this out of the way. It's just like you know why not Let's carry it all through because what? the competitions happened right at the same time. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, and you're right that it makes it feel inconsequential, which I'm I'm sure it's not. <laughs> and you don't get any of like Mike flying to you know South Africa and like his experience of. Being in that competition, you know that Ken Waller's there because he's hovering later at, at uh, Arnold's breakfast. But it's like, if I didn't know better, it wouldn't even necessarily be clear that this is the same competition. Or, no, you know, it could be months apart. Right, exactly. Yeah. It feels like it. No, it does. Uh, this is where you do get Katz's, uh, he gives another another analogy, this one about kick a dog long enough and it either rolls over and dies or it bites back. Right. Uh, and yeah, a real persecution complex. Yeah, he comes in fourth place too. I mean, he doesn't even wind up on the stage. I mean, right. you, you really feel bad for him. Although that guy does announce it, 
Yeah, what? <laughs> which I'm not sure why, if it was because the cameras were there and they knew that the cameras were there. Or maybe they recorded that after the fact, because it's hard to say what's real and what's mm, fictional. It's not. Did they go to that guy and just be like, just, you know, like the empty stadium, just, hey, stay in the microphone, and by, for your information. We need this. That's okay. But I, I did love whoever Paul Grant was, the way he waves off third place. He is <laughs> yes, not happy. from Wales. That guy, I love that guy. That guy's awesome. He's so mad. He, he, is, he is not trying to hide how mad he is. No, he's, he's the, I don't know if you remember the gymnast Michaela Maroney? No. Uh, she was the one she just had the face. She was not happy. With, she, she had the face? What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, if, if, you, if you look it up, you, you'd know. I mean, she's up there. I think she took third place, not in these the most recent Olympics, but four years ago. And, I mean, just her, like, st- she's basically pouting up, up on the stage. It She's not happy. <laughs> right. So, it was, it, I mean, he waves it off. He, he is not happy about I mean, third it's, place. It's pretty funny, his reaction. I mean, I, I want to know about that guy. Go to Wales and learn about his about life. Paul Grant. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, we get all the stuff about the T-shirt being missing. And, yeah. Um, and then know. you get that Mike it's, Katz is a nice guy. I mean, he, he, he legitimately, he's happy for Ken that he won. He wants to go shake his hand. And uh, I don't know. In some ways, it's kind of sad. No, it's very sad. I mean, it's just like the, this whole section ends with a slow zoom on the back of his head as he, like, sadly waits for Ken, Ken to get Waller, off the stage. Yeah. And Ken's on stage celebrating, and he's, like, standing off in the wings. Yeah. Are we to believe that this T-shirt – is the movie trying to tell us that this T-shirt thing is what was the difference? Or is it just – It seems like that's what they're pushing. But, I mean, he came in fourth place. I can't I, – Right. I just, is a t-shirt going to make make a difference oh, between first and fourth? No, because I, I don't think the posing. I, I it didn't explain it to us. Maybe the posing is that important. I just don't get that impression. So you know, I get the feeling that the everything you've done before the competition is like eighty percent of it, meaning what your physique looks like, and the right. t-shirt doesn't change that. The t-shirt changes the posing. But this movie is trying to convince us that this competition is entirely about like the mind games that go on like the day before, as if that's like what is. I mean. I, I agree with you that it seems to me like, you know, 80% is the, the, the working out, like you said, 20% is the, the presentation, the presentation and the posing and 0.001% would be like, I'm going to psych you out before this, <laughs> you know, or in this case, Ken Waller stealing guy's shirt, Mike Katz's shirt. It's like the, just the very idea of just like, I've been training for this for a year, but my shirt is gone. Oh no. I need my lucky shirt guys. You know, the idea that that would somehow, you know, I know I've been training for a year, but it was blue. <laughs> Come on. So after this, as you said, it's kind of an afterthought. We then get back to America. Uh, to Before America, we get back, to Arnold. I, I, I'm sorry to keep uh, lingering on this, but I just I do like the judge that can't count. Did you notice that? No. <laughs> this, it's all voiceovers. A man's voice reading out numbers of all the oh, judges. Of course, he goes, I do remember that. 18, 18, 17, 18, 18. And one of the other judges is adding. And she goes, 83. 83? That can't be right. <laughs> And he's right. It's eighty nine. <laughs> so this woman, because imagine, just imagine this competition, like you know, riding on this math mistake that some woman like off screen. It's, it's awesome that this competition is so subjective to begin with, and then it just might be riddled yeah. with arithmetic errors. Uh, that, this, that seems like something that whatever this uh, was a bodybuilding federation. I don't even know what the name of the, no. the organization is. I didn't write it down. You'd think they would have asked them to take that out. Like they almost made a math mistake in the judging. <laughs> I do like it. I just, I just really enjoyed that because. Can't be right. Yeah, you, you don't ever see the judges, or maybe, like, maybe you do, but you, at that point you're not seeing them. But yeah, that's the voiceover. That can't be. <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's get to Arnold. So it goes back, and we get a little bit of Arnold history. My father was a policeman, and all I could think of was kindergarten cop. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even re- think about that when we did Kindergarten Cop, that his actual father was an actual policeman. No, I, I didn't at the time either. You didn't take after the, the father's, his family business. No, like, he did uh, not. Like in that movie he did. Uh, and that I, I did enjoy this. He admires people that can be remembered, remembered for hundreds of years or Jesus for thousands of years. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Arnold, are you really saying that I, yeah. Jesus? I, I, I really, really wonder if this is one of those things that they, they put in, put in to have him be more of a villain or if you, this was his real thoughts. Cause this is kind of Trumpian, this kind of a thing. Oh, absolutely. Comparing himself to dictators and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> because he wants to be remembered for thousands of years. I am Ozymandias, king of kings, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and then speaking of looking at sculptures, we get the, the Hulk after after that. Yeah, just introduced eating dinner. He doesn't get much of an introduction. Oh. Everybody else is just like, here's this man. And they show him posing and stuff. It's just Lou Ferrigno just with his family eating dinner. You do get his stats, though. 24 years old, a sheet, sheet metal worker from Brooklyn. Yes. 6'5", 275 pounds. Oh, yeah. That is just massive. Yeah. He was a big boy. Still is. Like I, I, Even still, I don't know. He must be like in his mid-60s now. Yeah, because he's... Well, he's... Actually, you know what? He's 24, and Arnold's... Arnold's 28. 28. So they're only four years apart, and I think Arnold just turned 70. Yeah. I know... I remember when I was doing the Twitter, it was, it's, it's soon, so Ferrigno's got to be in his yeah mid, mid to mid late 60s. 60s. Yeah, I, I saw him on TV like a, maybe a year ago. I don't remember why. He still is huge, like way too big for a 66-year-old man. <laughs> like, I'm worried about his bones. Like, it's really almost... Mandelbaum. Mandelbaum. <laughs> right. gonna... You think you're the number one dead? <laughs> He's going to bench press the casket when somebody in the Ferrigno family dies? I don't know how many how official any of these rankings are. Someone's miscalculating <laughs> numbers, so who knows who's the number one. Well, and we also know that Lou liked the muscle magazines even when he was a little kid. Because his dad tells us so. Yeah. So should you be surprised that in his sixties he's still pumping oh, it's, iron? Obviously, it's a it's an important thing to him for sure. I mean, to both of them, but I feel like Arnold got distracted with other things like acting and politics, whereas yeah. like Lou, this is this, this is thing he it. wants to do the most is yeah. lift weights for forty forty plus years. Yeah, I do like how he's Louis Frigno in this movie. I mean, mostly his family calls him Lou or yeah. Louis. Louis. Yeah. But so it's, I've never heard him called anything but Lou Ferrigno. So. Did you did you ever have a note about Ferrigno's dad talking about Arnold? Lou, I have Lou's dad thought God walked past them. It was just Arnold. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yes. Huh. Again, I don't know if they were trying to play it up, you know, for the cameras of spicing it up and saying how, you know, oh, the first time we saw Arnold, how, how great he was. But I was shocked by that. So comparing him to God? Yes! I mean, did he say God or did he say a God? He probably I, said a God. I think we should pull it up because I think he, he says God. The problem is I don't remember the time on it. I didn't have I'll the So, you know, most of this stuff with, you know, while you're looking up with, with Ferrigno is basically him just getting pep talks and lifting weights. There's a little oh, bit of the song. Um, yeah, I, I guess this stuff about his father, like, retiring to, like, run his... Um, Bodybuilding career was all fictional. Father Maddie. Was it really? He retired from the New York City Police I mean, I, Department. I don't think he Lewis retired training. or you know was actually this involved. The wow. first time Arnold came to there America, I took Louis backstage, and and when Arnold went by us, I'll never forget. I looked at Louis's face, and he just looked at Arnold with awe. I thought God just passed us. Yeah. And I looked at Louis. I said, uh, "What do you think, Louis?" And he looked at me. He said, "See that he's big." 
I thought God walked past us. Yeah, you were right. I thought he said a God. That really took me aback. Um, you know, I mean, Arnold was a big deal back then in that world, in the bodybuilding world. He was God in the world of bodybuilding. Again, for years, I mean, if you said a God, fine, but... I, I don't know. That, that just seemed a bit much. I was the one raised Catholic, and I don't, I don't didn't jump out of me. Like, I, I wonder if people were offended by that. It just seemed like an offhanded comment. I get, I'm, again, I'm not trying to make it out like it should be offensive. I just thought that, that that's a pretty big leap. But All right. Either way, so most of the rest of this with, with Lou Ferrigno really is him just getting pep talks and lifting weights. Yeah, most of the footage of him, yeah, I agree. Is, is, there's not much story here. It's just him and his dad in the, this dungeon of a gym. <laughs> Lifting weights. Yeah. It's not like Arnold where he's got like other people around him and it's showing like he's got this like whole entourage of bodybuilders yeah. and there's a good, there's a lot going well not a lot, but there's more going on with the Arnold side of things. Where Absolutely. He's like plotting and planning and he's he has plans for how he's gonna psych him out or his Yeah, Lou Frigno's father. I don't know, I just, I just don't find him that interesting of a figure to follow. Like his father's just there going, yeah, you're going to beat him and lose lifting weights. And okay, there's a lot of footage of this, and it's just not that interesting. No, nope. I'm sure they were just trying to find as much interesting as they could. And it just so happens there wasn't much, right? It's clear from the uh, magazine clippings that they show here that this was a big confrontation that a lot of people were awaiting, you know, because Apollo Creed and Rocky rematch. Yeah, except it's if if Rocky just lost every time because that's basically what this movie is. It's just like you know, yeah, Lou Ferrigno is the he's almost literally Rocky. I mean, he's not from Philadelphia, but otherwise, it's a pretty similar story. He's Italian and he's this underdog, and he's going to prove he's going to take down the top dog. And but doesn't he? Doesn't yeah. <laughs> but I, I do like the uh, there's one magazine where it, shows, it, it says "Bring me the head of Arnold Schwarzenegger," and it's Lou Ferrigno that. holding up a severed head of Arnold. <laughs> The movie, this movie is showing that this is a long brewing confrontation. Yeah, a lo- for a long time, people were waiting for these two to compete head to head. Yeah, um, I did know. I did. I didn't spend as much time paying attention to the clippings as you did, but I did see the severed head. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to miss Arnold's severed head. But yeah, I guess so. So Lufric now won the previous two Mister Universes, and then he was this stepping is, up. This is his first year professionally. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, well, you get back to Arnold relaxing on the beach. I like this entire exchange. <laughs> yeah. Did you? I did too because the acting is so bad. Like, this is obviously an acted scene. Yeah. But the guy, the guy who's just like, I'm going to to New York and I'm going to see the Ferrignos. And what do you want me to tell him? And then like, I forget what Arnold says. And then he's just like, No, but really, I'm going to New York and I'm going to see the Ferrignos. Like he doesn't know what to do and he just like repeats himself. Uh, I I had a lot of fun with this. <laughs> you go go for it. Cause I didn't write down too much. I mean, I didn't write down a ton, but I just like. Uh, King of the Hill can only go down. Oh, I, that's the one thing I have a note on. So you you, you go first. Well, the wolf on Arnold coming back. Well, the wolf on top of the hill is not. Or oh, no, somebody says to him is not as hungry. Arnold just immediately comes back. But the wolf on top of the hill is hungry. The food is already there. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Well, I, what made me laugh was this guy mixing his metaphors because he goes like, I, I think the sequence of events is the guy goes, the King of the Hill can only go down. And the guy Arnold just goes. Or stay up. And the guy goes, right. oh, yeah, or stay up. That's the other possibility. <laughs> I didn't have that, but you were right. <laughs> that was really good. And then he goes. Then he switches to the wolf. Then he switches to the wolf. And he goes, but the wolf climbing the hill is hungrier than the wolf on the hill. And I'm going, like, is the king and the wolf the same person? Is the is it a wolf king? 
you know, or is it, or does the king... Is it Rob Stark? Right, is, does the king have a wolf with him? It's like a dire wolf. Um, I just was or, trying... Or was there a king on top of the hill and the wolf ate that king? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, because the king came first. That's the third option. The king of the hill can only go down or stay up or be eaten by the wolf. The wolf, the wolf they... climbing the hill, which is hungrier than the wolf on the top of the hill. But, really, there, but there's other food already there for that wolf on top of this. It really is. You, you have to get this king, this wolf, and a chicken down the hill. You can only carry one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is almost some kind of logic puzzle. What's funny is that that episode of the UK Office. <laughs> that exact analogy yeah, yeah. is in that yeah, office. That's one of the best exchanges <laughs> between uh, Martin Freeman. And oh, who plays Gareth? I should remember his name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. Oh, Mackenzie Crook. Crook. Oh, the, the 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 exchange between those two is some of the best stuff that show ever did, particularly for the <laughs> yeah getting the chicken across. Yeah. Uh, and then so from here you head back to it's more of just Lou and Arnold training. And yeah. at least to me, here's what I had. Arnold seemed his way of training is a lot more fun than Lou's. This very much reminded me of Rocky Three. I know you're not the Rocky fan that I am. No, I don't but, know it as well. Um, there's the sequence near the beginning of Rocky Three where Rocky is now champion and he's not really taking his training seriously. And Clubber Lang, played by Mr. T, is in a dungeon going like, oh, I'm going to beat him. And, and Rocky's just, he's, he, he's, re- he's rented out a ballroom. He's got an orchestra playing. There's an amazing disco song uh, written by Frank Stallone playing, oh, getting ready for the fight. And, he's, and girls are like kissing him. And, and Mickey's like, we got to train, kick these people out. He's like, no, let's have some fun. <laughs> and of course, he loses the fight to Mr. T. This whole sequence reminded me of that, like almost exactly, except what if Rocky just won and the movie was over 40 minutes in? Like, that's basically what this is. Like, yeah, Arnold's not taking any of this seriously. Not at all. Still wins. Yes. So what is the, what is the lesson in this movie? Just like be amazing and you don't have to work hard. All right. So I got a question. I did notice one thing uh, during one of the training sessions that's here in this section, Arnold has an insane amount of weight when he's doing squats. I don't know if you noticed, it looks like the, the bar it looks like it's going to like snap in half. It just seems like it's got such a curve that there's so much weight on it. I don't know if you noticed it or not. I mean, I noticed, but that didn't seem unusual to me. Like once oh. you get to that point, like that's just the way. Those I guess, bars. I guess, yeah, I guess I just wanted to point it out. That, like there must be a lot of weight on that. Oh, thing. Yeah. I mean, those bars do have some give on it for because yeah, you get that you get that much weight and that's going to happen. Yeah, is this where one of these sequences? Is this where you get that shot of that strange guy in just like a V-neck undershirt? Just doing curls in the background of some shot. You remember the, that guy? The curls for the girls. I do remember that there was. I don't know if it's this sequence though. Okay, maybe it's. Later. I mean, that's the thing is that most of this movie, probably what seventy percent of it, is just people lifting weight. Maybe not seventy, sixty percent of it. So it's hard to you know remember where where it's at. I mean, this part in particular because it's like it's it's the build. It's them training for the competition. So yeah. what else can they show? No. It's, it's lifting weights and it's interviews and that's really all it is. And then the next Terminator comes up, Franco. Uh, oh yeah, there's that sequence too, or Franco in Italy. Yeah, which that that's a pointless diversion. Like what's you know, it's nice to have a little section about Franco Colombo. <laughs> he did, seems did, like did a nice you, guy. Did you enjoy him moving cars and blowing up water bottles? Oh yeah, I mean, that's riveting stuff. The strongest man in the world is blowing up a water bottle, and everyone's just like, "Yeah!" <laughs> that was another one that I had. That the crowds in this they love everything. I know that's that's weird. Well, that I, I it seemed like that was uh, the same place as that earlier Podunk competition. I wasn't sure. 
I, I couldn't tell you. I did see Mike Katz in the crowd when did you? Franco was blowing up that water bottle. He's in I, there cheering on Franco. <laughs> so I, I think it might be that same place. I could be wrong. I can see that as you know the the directors of this saying uh, a little bit a little bit like the Ali G. We need more energy. They're just <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, cats get out there, kind of. Yeah, pump, the up the crowd, yeah, pump up the crowd a little bit. Maybe. Um, yeah, but there's all this stuff about Franco in Italy and nothing interesting other than him yeah, helping that guy parallel, uh, get out of his park job. Yes, his bad parking job. Um, just shots of his family looking very stern <laughs> and, uh, you know, and just like, this is where I grew up. Uh, okay, bye. You know, just yeah. nothing really happens. It was almost that because they they knew that these two likely were going to be in the final competition, they right. needed to get some backstory, and this was the best that they could drag could, up. Could be. Or maybe they even filmed it after the competition. Could be. I don't know if you're aware, because this movie came out in 77, but all this stuff happened in 75. And they ran out of money, and it took them two years to finish. And it's that. just like, no wonder you ran out of money. You just had a pointless flight to Italy. <laughs> Nothing of value was gotten in this sequence. It's just, no. I mean, it's short. It's, it's, you know, I agree. You need to have something about Franco because he is the he's the other you know, winner. Yes, in the uh, under two hundred pounds. Yeah, oh, which I didn't. I don't know if you. I didn't realize how short he was in the Terminator. Well, I mean, he you really only see him from kind of far away. Yeah, I, I'm just I, I'm seeing Kyle Reese's point of view. He's he plays the other Terminator you see in the future the, sequences. Yes, if I, you didn't listen to that episode, I guess I'm just. I just was surprised. That's all. Is is seeing him in real life? I was surprised. Oh yeah, wow, he, he's a lot shorter than he I was very thought. short. He's probably like five seven. Looks like something like that. You unfortunately do not get his statistics, <laughs> so I can't tell you. That's the thing. I don't think they want the, the little guys. Don't want their statistics given because it makes them look small. It's, you know, that, right. I'm sure that's why. But no, I, I do have a note here because there's a little sequence where Franco and Arnold are lifting on Venice Beach. And he's hanging upside down, and I have a note saying Franco Colombo is Batman. And then later, when he's doing his poses, yeah, it's like look at it—he's like a bat's wings. Like, he is Batman. I was like, oh my god, I was right. That's excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, we get some Papa Ferrigno coaching Lou on posing. Yes, look at your arms, Louie. <laughs> I have. Look at this hunk of man. Yeah, look at this hunk of man. He he listens to. I hope you work that into the audio on this. <laughs> I did not uh, pull that audio, but uh, look at this hunk of me. I was pu- too busy pulling Pee Wee's Playhouse cl- sound clips. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's the thing. I don't, his father doesn't seem like he knows what he's talking about or what he's doing. Lou Ferrigno does not do any of the things that his father tells him to during the competition. No. Um, yeah, I mean I, that's what I mean. I think the the filmmakers needed s- somebody. Yeah, this whole thing about his father coaching him, I think, was totally fictional. I think he probably had someone else, you know, Doing coaching the real him. work. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is, unfortunately, just because of Louis, Lou Ferrigno's speech impediment, they needed to have, a, have someone speaking for him because it is hard to understand him sometimes. And, yeah. You know, understandably so. Because um, they do go into that. And that was, that was kind of interesting. How, you know, he had an ear infection and he lost his hearing and uh, et cetera. Yeah, so then we cut back to uh, Arnold says, I love this, he says he'll beat anyone who comes, in shape or out of shape. Why would anybody be coming to this out of shape, Arnold? <laughs> well, I think, I think out of shape is probably a relative, relative term, term in the, that yes. world. To them, out of shape is just like, you know, slightly smaller, like, you know, packs or what, I don't even know. But literally, again, this movie taught us nothing about it. Well, so we, I, don't we don't know what, what matters means. and what doesn't. No. But this is also where you get the bad advices. <laughs> yes. I am his father. He comes to me for advices. <laughs> advices. Yeah, because it, it starts with him talking about how he's going to mess Lou up. Yeah. Which is kind of like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm going to go to his room, and he's never going to forget that night. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do, Arnold? <laughs> what do you mean? 
I'm just going to mess him up. And then the interviewer, uh, do, do you think he'd be sitting next to his bed in a Jason Voorhees mask? <laughs> Don't reference things that aren't going to be on the show. <laughs> People aren't going to know what you're talking about. I thought you'd get a laugh out of that. <laughs> I did, but no one's going to know what you're talking about. Um, and now I forgot what I was about to say. See, look what you've done. You totally caused Everything's me to lose my, my plot. What were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about... Not oh, his bad advices. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because uh, and then he was going to go into Lou's room. He was messing with him. Yeah, but then the, the interviewer, who I, I'm pretty sure it's Charles Gaines. Charles Gaines does the voiceover. Yes. Who also wrote uh, "Stay Hungry" and it seems increasingly clear to me that Charles Gaines is a big part of Arnold's kind of rise to fame. It's interesting because it's never anyone I ever heard of before we started doing this podcast. No, and I hadn't either. Yeah, both this and "Stay Hungry" were because of Charles Gaines just befriending Arnold. It seems like. Since he was already a writer. Anyway, so then Charles Gaines asked Arnold, like, oh, but Franco won't fall for that. Franco's too smart. Yeah, Franco is smart, but Franco's a child. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Franco. He shouldn't, you know. Why are you his friend? But it's like, again, I'm sure this is just them trying to turn Arnold into the bad guy. But, you know, no one knows this is fictional. If I was Franco, I'd be pretty upset with this, whole, this whole movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, advice is funny. It, it is. And so finally we, we get to South Africa. Although we've been to South Africa, we just didn't really we get... We didn't know it, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, this, it makes it a point. Did, did, did you think something bad was going to happen with this leopard? Oh, yes. I thought, I thought Lou was being very casual. Far too casual with this leopard. I, I thought so, too. I agree. But no, before that, I thought you were going to bring up this very flustered woman interviewing Arnold. She is nervous. Remember, she's like, what is your ideal woman? She almost trips over something. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, boy, that woman, it, she does not know what to do with herself. No. Like, next to the standing next to Arnold. And then Arnold's answer is, he ba- yeah, I'll take uh, any <laughs> right. woman. I'm interested in them all. Well, because I just, I just was wondering, like, he, did he sleep with this woman or not? Because it's like, <laughs> clearly it was wide open for him. She was on board. <laughs> You're right. I hadn't really thought about it. You know it, the woman I'm talking about. Yes, right? absolutely. No question about it. Like she, she is so beside herself to talk to Arnold Schwarzenegger. She doesn't know what to say. Yeah, and then yeah, there's a, there's this other interviewer with like a crazy striped shirt, this is a very 70s striped shirt, asking Arnold about other advices he gives to other bodybuilders, and he gets you get a story about him telling giving oh, they, a guy bad advices. Yes, the the screamer. Yes, the, the, the scream. By, I don't think you need to go into detail. But no, no. I see. I I wondered if because I knew a little bit of this was you know staged. So I wondered if stuff like this story just it was almost it felt written to me. Yeah, now that you mention it, I don't I didn't really question it. Honestly, uh this is where all my notes are about apartheid here because there's the the waiter waiting on them and this is why I started thinking about it and yeah. I was totally distracted by that. So I didn't really pay attention to his story. But yeah, now that you mention it, it is very very written and very like yeah, it's just like let's get a funny anecdote in here. That's what it felt like to me. Again, I don't, I don't know, but that's what it felt like. But that would be a pretty crappy thing to do, considering this guy is presumably part of the, the bodybuilding press, and for them to just make up a story to tell <laughs> to, to this uh, press guy, I hope not. I hope that they weren't like. I mean, at least they didn't mess with the competition. But uh, I mean, I'm sure I assume that story got printed somewhere. I would think so. Uh, and this is then you get the the breakfast that we were talking about. I and I, I enjoyed this part. in particular. Waller Ken Waller there with his own his own yeah. camera taking. He's, he's making his own documentary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'd be curious to see. I'm surprised the Rod Iron documentary, like the making of from years and years later, didn't have that. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen some of that footage if it survived. Maybe maybe, it maybe for all we know, he was found around Surge and we didn't even know it. I, I would hope so. 
I mean, uh, that's the thing. I, I actually probably not because that just seems like again, sycophant is a little bit of a strong word. I'm trying not to insult any of these guys, but uh, you know, he's part of Arnold's crew very oh, much so, absolutely. Like, and he's really only filming Arnold. So it's like I don't think I don't think Ken Waller was going around like filming the rest of the competition. It's just like you know, Arnold is the man in our group. I'm just going to follow him around and document his final, his, yeah, his, his final victory. Exactly. Um, yeah. So anyway, we get to the competition, and this is the little bit of the explanation you get is that this is now they're in the prejudging, and that's held during the day. Yes. Without the crowd, and this is where I it, I got the impression that of the scores, like ninety percent of your score came from this. Oh, the prejudging? I think yeah. 100%. I think they say that it's, it's done so that the judges can do their judging without the distractions of the crowd. Something, yeah. like, something like that. It is, but I, I got the impression that at least a, a small portion, not everything came from the prejudging, the overwhelming majority, but then the crowd involvement, etc. I got the feeling that they weren't just up there for show for oh. the, the final portion. I got the exact opposite impression. Right, it would okay. have been nice if the movie had explained this. <laughs> I mean, they say something about it. Just like this is the prejudging is so that the judges can not be distracted. But you're right. They don't they don't explain if these if the scores from the prejudging are final or if they only do their scores after the it, public it, one. It's it's unclear. There's so much stuff this movie is not telling us. Yeah, I I, I do not feel like I have any of a better understanding <laughs> of the bodybuilding world. After watching this movie, like not even in the slightest, I I can't disagree with you. But uh, up comes first the, the you're getting the Mister Olympia because we've already basically been told you know who won Mister Universe. Yeah. So it's but this is the under two hundred. So this is where you get Franco and you get then uh, Ed Corny as you said, who was a forty four year old former nightclub owner from Hawaii. <laughs> That's right, I forgot he was a nightclub owner. Um, yeah, Ed Corny gets second, Franco wins. We don't get to learn who was third. That no. guy doesn't. But Arnold was really impressed by Ed's posing. Yeah, I did like that. It just it seemed genuine. Just like, oh, look at this guy. Like he yeah. didn't seem to know who he was, or just like right. came out of nowhere. Although this is the professional group, you would think that he would know. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, he's very impressed with Ed Corny. And then this is where you get the introduction of Serge. Uh, and quote unquote unexpected entry, but I just think it's the, the documentary crew wasn't following him because <laughs> right. he's from France, as you said. Uh, unexpected. <laughs> but what I was impressed, that guy was 41 years old. Yeah. I mean, you, when you really think about it, that's really impressive because Arnold's 28 and Ferrigno's 24. Right. That guy, that guy's 41 years old and is in outrageous shape. No, I, that's true. My understanding, I think I've read somewhere that it's easier to put on muscle mass for men in their 30s like it's like 35 is like the peak of just like i didn't know that you know it's it's when it's easiest and most efficient etc so i i mean i mean i i don't disagree with you i I know i know what you're saying but i don't what you're saying is physiologically i don't think it's necessarily as much of a factor as you might think yeah i guess what you're saying is that while you know many other professional athletes they peak in their mid-20s right for football basketball you know baseball the skills significantly decline in the 30s it sounds right. like no your peak is in the mid-30s in bodybuilding well and again it's not there's no like physical exertion it's not a strength competition or anything he's yeah. not he's, they're just standing there so even if his bones are as brittle as possible I, I mean i'm sure he's a perfectly healthy guy but you know it's like uh he doesn't have to like do anything so yeah that's the thing that kind of we were talking earlier about the applause, like the crowds are just constantly applauding. Yeah, they're not doing anything. Like no, no offense, but it's like the work's already been done. What are you applauding? <laughs> I, 
I don't get the subculture at all. No. I mean, I get, you're just showing appreciation. Like, I think you should win. But it's like, if that were the case, then only pockets should be applauding. Yeah, the whole crowd applauds the whole time as if they're doing something impressive. I mean, I don't want me to diminish it either, but I don't know. It just doesn't, doesn't seem like... I think it would be more impressive if they were in the streets of Birmingham posing on the top of buses. <laughs> that, that is much more impressive. Um, I mean, those people in Burning, Birmingham are just as excited. <laughs> These people want to see some poses. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Show them some poses. <sighs> they should. They should start every bodybuilding competition with someone coming out and be like, "These people want to see some poses." <laughs> to jack up the crowd. <laughs> they should do that. Just be like, you want to hear see some poses? And people are like, "Yeah," you know, like actually uh, put on a show. Can I just say I'm st- I'm glad we did this podcast just so that I've seen Stay Hungry because that. Was that scene is <laughs> yeah. so awesome? I think, I think the only time I put a clip in just raw after the episode is over because it was so great. You can't, I mean, it's better to see it. it, it absolutely, see, see, stay hungry. I feel like that's the thing. I feel like Pumping Iron is a pretty well known movie, and Stay Hungry is not. No, I and didn't sh- know about it. At it all. should be the opposite. Stay Hungry yeah. is a pretty good movie, and I was not a big fan of Pumping Iron. No. Uh, so we're getting towards the end here. We're <laughs> backstage, and Lou uh, Lou's posing while. <laughs> Yeah, this is the psych out scene where yes. he says Arnold has spaghetti arms. <laughs> right? What? Um, I do like the moment where uh, Lou's uh, doing a bench press, and Arnold I think is doing like sit ups or like uh, uh, push ups or something. He's beneath him, and he looks up. And goes, I watch you. I watch you. <laughs> yes. And I, I think he says something. You need to be quiet in here. Yeah, like a church. That's where he brings up the church. Yeah, that's quiet it. like a church. Because he's making fun of Lou because he screams when he listens. Yes. He's just like, ah, you know. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. I was the, not like I did it. I was doing an Arnold impression. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. And so the, this is where the competition, we get the, the, the main competition now. I just, when Arnold's up there doing those poses, I don't know, the music just felt like it was from a Jack, Jack Horner film. Yes. It felt like a 70s porn. I, I wrote, we get a very funky pose down, is my notes. <laughs> There's a moment actually where it looks like Lou Ferrigno is posing to the beat. He's kind of like dancing along. It's like oh, bam, I miss bam, that. Bam, bam, and he's kind of rocking to the beat, awesome. um, I, which I appreciated. Yeah, and then right to the judging. I wrote that like, how long is how long are they posing up there? How long is the event? Is it like five minutes? That's like, what it felt like. Yeah, it, it feels like there's there's probably a lot more to these competitions than we're not seeing. Even in Stay Hungry, when we saw the competition, remember when it came down to like Arnold and that other guy like. And there's a big presentation where they're on a big rotating stage and they're playing music from uh, Exodus. Yes. Uh, you know, it's I do remember whole, the rotating stage. The whole production, whereas here they're just standing up there. I mean, the music is, the, the, the film is putting it on. It's not playing over the PA, right? No, no, I thought, yes, yeah, it's, it's so, the score. It's just silence. People are, you know, these guys are posing silently while the crowd crazy. cheers. Yeah. I would assume. That's what I got. You <laughs> get, not, no, we don't know anything. You, this movie's <laughs> supposed to be telling us what is happening. <laughs> Anyway, you get some more of Arnold's philosophy. Um, I like he wouldn't care about his car being stolen. He'd just have his secretary call insurance and then have a laugh about it. Oh, right. Well, but this is also where we get the the fake story about him skipping his father's funeral. Right? I didn't know it was fake until I'm assuming the IMDb is is true because that 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 seemed a little bit much. They said it on on, on raw Ryan. deal or raw Ryan. not raw deal <laughs> raw iron. Um, but yeah, he said he said like yeah, he went to his father's funeral. So, yeah, and we get the, the finals results. Yeah, the results, and it's Franco versus Arnold. Yeah, I do have Lou Ferrigno took his third place finish much much better than the Welsh guy. <laughs> the Welsh guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our final pose off between Franco and Arnold, which seems like an unfair competition to be like the final competition. 
Like the little guy versus the big guy. It's like it seems like the big guy would always win. Let's take the featherweight champion against the heavyweight champion and see who wins. I think I can predict who's going to win. I mean, I, I know it's not just based on size, but I don't know. It seems like a strange. Fi- it's not even really clear if this is like an official thing or, or if it's just like if they hey, both have won something and then it's just right. hey, here's an encore let's, for fun. Let's see. Let's do another judging. Yeah. Like I don't know which one of those. I, I have no idea. Uh, but of course, Arnold wins. Yeah, and the he, one and he, only the greatest Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, every time he t- he introduces Arnold, it gets it's more and more grandiose. Yeah, I guess it is Trumpian in a way. I hadn't. I mean, he's not doing it about himself, but right. No, it's just it's weird how you know every time he, he has to. It's almost like Arnold requested, like when I'm introduced, I must be called the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yes. I will not go on stage unless you do it. But anyway, Arnold wins, of course. Yep, and he's, he officially retires, and he says he's saying goodbye to bodybuilding. It's interesting, again, like the movie is showing him as a villain, but obviously this is a real moment where he seems very genuine about yeah. how much he loves bodybuilding. And, and he appreciates the opportunity that it gave him. Right, and he's retiring from competition, but he's going to do it the rest of his life. And like, I'd, It seemed like a really heartfelt speech from Arnold about how much he lo- loves bodybuilding and the sport of bodybuilding and how he's not going to stop, even though he's not Re- competing. Retiring from competition. Yeah, yeah. it's... it's all of a sudden, like the last five minutes of this movie, it seems like the movie wants to show us the real Arnold. It feels which, real, right. I, which feels totally incongruous with this villain that they've been showing yeah. us the rest of the movie. Because it's not just the retirement speech. I, you completely feel him sitting back, smoking that cigar, and having some cake. That feels like real Arnold, too. Well, no. Well, first of all, are, are you assuming that that was backstage after the competition? I, I didn't know. I, yeah, I, I guess I did. I, it's I'm, not. No, it's, it's not de- a sequence. I mean, it's definitely not because they're all wearing different clothing all of a sudden. It's not the same room from before. I am almost entirely certain. Okay. The movie is edited to make it seem like this is immediately after the competition, but it's not clear when this happened. You know, I don't know. I don't think it was Lou's birthday during the competition. You would think someone would have brought it up. Yeah. So I think this is either months earlier or months later. Mm-hmm. And also, he's not smoking a cigar. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, right. He's smoking a joint. Yeah, that's right. Which is kind of a funny image just to yeah. see him. He's got, a, he's got a t-shirt that says, Arnold Who's is numero uno. uno. That's what I have, and I love that. It seems like a t-shirt that might be worth uh, looking into to see if that's available to be to purchase. If not, it should be. <laughs> but yeah, and yeah, Luke gets his cake. Yeah, and then they're on the, on the bus headed back, and <laughs> Arnold wants a meal and... <laughs> To be set up with Lou's sister. <laughs> right. Um, he's like, not if he has anything to do with it or whatever, whatever Lou says. Yeah. All this stuff, the last five minutes seems, all this stuff seems really genuine and it seems like the reality of it was that Arnold and Lou were friends and had a really... A rivalry, but not... Yes, heated. definitely. But I mean, obviously they're competitors. They're yeah, competing with a, each other. Like a friendly competition, right? Right, but, you- but much more friendly than the movie is portraying and it seems like like I really enjoyed their interactions after the competition is over. Like they seem like really friends and they're like one upping each other, trying to like scooching yeah. up in their seat to be like the tallest or whatever. All this stuff is fun. Like, the cake and all this. Like, why wasn't this the whole movie? Like this is obviously the reality of it. Yeah. Why, I, why they felt the need that they needed a drama. Yeah. I'm telling you, once I learned that so much of that is fictional, I guarantee you if they, if they had just made it more like this, just showing the reality you know, yes, there would have been less drama because it seems like everyone in this Got subculture were friends. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it makes sense because this is, it's this, at the time, it was a very small kind of, you know, it was seen as very strange. I mean, Arnold talks about how, like, to me, raising a car is strange, like, whatever. Yeah. But uh, because it was so insular and, like, 
you could see, you can understand why people in that subculture would bond together because everyone else is looking at them saying, you guys are weirdos and yeah. it's like, go to hell. We're going to, you know, yeah, we're, we're gonna, doing this and we feel good about it. Yeah. And we're going to do it way. together. Like it, to- totally. Even Mike Katz and uh, Ken Waller, you learn we're friends and right. you know, Ken Waller kind of doesn't like how he was portrayed. Uh, and he got like booed at competitions and things because people thought he was a jackass. You know, I would have much rather seen that. See all these guys in it together. Friend, I, all this stuff seems so genuine in a way that the rest of the movie just does not. Yeah. And I, look, I can't disagree. I've certainly seen many documentaries that I enjoy. I can't, I mean, there's parts to this that I like and I would have liked seeing it, but the structure of it, I, I can't disagree with you. Um, yeah, it's not a great one, but it is nice to see, you know, the early Arnold Schwarzenegger and be able to see the potential that's there for him to, you know, be in movies later. Yeah, and I think it's telling that we put this off the last because neither one of us give a crap about bodybuilding, and no. it's, just, it's not the part of Arnold's you know, life and career that we gravitate to. No, but you know, it, it, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, but it it's good to to cover it because it it is kind of where things got started, right? Oh yeah, I mean, that's this is how he got his fame is as a bodybuilder and yeah. he, he grew out from there. Um, it is kind of interesting how, you know, I, I'm always curious how like really, really big fans of Arnold as a bodybuilder. If they discover our podcast, kind of how they view us. Cause it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of what I touched on earlier. Just like, I think a lot of people pin a lot on Arnold as a symbol of the American dream in a way that I think is maybe overstating it. I mean, certainly he is someone who immigrated to America and had an incredible success, and there's no doubt of the facts of the matter, but, you know, even he has pushed back on it a little bit recently, like he said recently, he gave a speech recently, I think it was like a commencement speech somewhere, saying that, like, he said, never call me a self-made man, like, I had so many people helping me out, and it's, you know, there's this perception that I did it all myself, and that I pulled myself in my bootstraps, and it's just not true, you know, so he's been pushing back on that a lot, and I feel like... I, I guess I, the only reason why I bring it up is because I noticed I was, you know, looking at some YouTube clips of this, and there are a lot of people in the comments talking about how, oh, like Arnold, he's, you know, that's the way to be is, you know, he he blocks everything out. Like pe- people were basically like saying uh, that's why Arnold was successful is because of things like him not going to his father's funeral, yeah, making the connection of just like he was successful because he was so ruthless and so whatever like so cold yeah or he was willing to block anything and everything else out right to succeed which is what the movie portrays but i I don't think that's there's any like basis in reality to that and i don't know i just get the sense that there are a lot of people like we're just not that kind of arnold schwarzenegger fan we're not the type person who looks to him as like an example of how to live like i don't know like he can live how he wants to live i'm not saying that I, I just don't see him as like a life role model in a way that I think. No, I, I, I sometimes wonder if people listen to our podcast and are disappointed that we're not that kind of a Schwarzenegger fan. Like, there's know, a certain amount of irony to the way we appreciate Arnold. It's like we don't take him that seriously. I, I, guess. I guess, but you know what? I here's what I'd say is that one. I mean, he's certainly he's not perfect, and I think he'd probably admit that too, right? I mean, he's right. he's got some some failures and some you know. Look, he's a human being, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it, I give him credit because I, I think one, he, he may be downplaying it that it wasn't just him, but it's still it's an, it's an impressive success story without, oh, it, without a doubt. But it absolutely is. I don't, I don't mean to underplay that part of it. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't. I'm completely okay. And I, I, to be honest, I, I can't imagine he would ever have listened to any of these episodes. But I have a feeling too that he, you can tell that 
he knows where his success has been. Is and when he was most successful, he didn't take himself too seriously. He right. he realized what qualities he had as an entertainer, and he played them up. And I, I love the, the, the you know the directors and the writers that found and knew what he had that not everybody can pull off when they played it up, and that's when he was the most successful. And I, I'm sure that he he thinks that way. Right. Oh, and, and that's the thing. I guess that's what I'm getting at. I think you're right that. I think a lot of people who really build up Arnold as a symbol take him way more seriously than he takes himself. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and I, I don't think we're doing him a disservice. I mean, we're we're not making fun of him in any way. Or, or, no, we're not making fun of him, but I think we do. Well, I, I'll speak for myself. So maybe maybe you disagree because I I think I see I view Arnold as there's something inherently comical about Arnold's persona in a way that. I don't think necessarily everyone, all of his fans view it the same way. Okay. You know, and you're right. It, it's genuinely an impressive story. I'm not saying that it's not, but I, I, I just think, you know, him, the, his, his status as a symbol of whatever, of the American dream or whatever you want to say, that seems like overstating it. And I, think he feels the same way i but, my impression yeah i i look he hasn't had an impressive life it doesn't mean that he is a, any way symbolic of anything greater than that yeah i i look and i think that it's enough that you just acknowledge because like to be honest <laughs> at least for me just about any symbol it, it almost inevitably it no, reality never can live up to whatever this the symbolic story is right and i Maybe you're right. Maybe some people have listened and been disappointed. Hey, we're, we can't be everything to everyone, but I think we've done a pretty fair and, oh, and accurate job and, of covering everything that he's done. It's purely in my head. I don't think we've gotten any feedback saying that. I just It's just funny how like I think that this Arnold, the bodybuilder Arnold, seems like a very different, has a very different set of fans as like goofball movie Arnold that I think, well, you know, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, which I think is much more where we're coming from. So I just wonder, I, I've thought that in the past of just like, you know, when we're kind of poking fun of Arnold a little bit and always good naturally. I and mean, we obviously love Arnold Schwarzenegger and love his movies. Um, the good ones anyway, <laughs> you know, Not like we're, our last episode. Yeah, we're coming off a of junior. So it's, it's <laughs> tougher and tougher. You know, there's some, there's sometimes when it's hard to say that, but, uh, like I said, I mean, really the only reason I brought it up is because I was seeing these YouTube comments, um, you know, and a lot of them are kind of, again, not to make it too political, but just like these, like these guys who think everything is about like, who's the alpha. Yeah. He's such an alpha male. Look at him. He's the, the, you know, and they're not wrong. He has this whole pack of, of bodybuilders who follow him around like puppies. Like, yeah, he is the alpha male of the group, but so what? It doesn't like, it doesn't mean anything larger than that. It's not like, you know, YouTube guy making a comment saying, I'm going to be like that. Like, yeah, good luck. Good luck finding 10 bodybuilders <laughs> to follow you around. I wish you luck. I wish we could find 10 podcasters to follow us around. <laughs> And look up to us. I don't think we're the alpha podcast. I don't, think we don't are. quite have the. Uh, we don't have the following. No. Well, I well we only have one episode left, so we got to get going. We got to get cranking. Really crank it out with Terminator Genesis, yeah, right? That'll be next. Yeah. So and that's, last. That's it's technically your pick, but it really isn't a pick. And yeah, we've gotten to the end. And at least for me, I'll just you know briefly touch on it. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. I haven't actually seen it since we saw it in theaters together, but. Between many discussions about Last Action Hero, you know, seeing a lot of movies together over the years, I think what really kind of pushed us over the cliff, as uh, Spinal Tap would need to be, is uh, Terminator Genesis. That was when we really decided that 
yeah. we were going to do this. Yeah. Literally in the parking lot, basically. Yeah. We didn't, I don't think we brought up the podcast there, but it was like, there was no, it was just like we had to just stop and talk about <laughs> the movie for t- at least 10 minutes in the parking lot. Yeah. It was a while. It was just yeah. like, I'm sure we sp- spent more time talking about Terminator Genesis in that parking lot than most people even critics probably did. And 80% of that conversation was about one line of dialogue. Yes. So it's just like, it became clear that it's like, if we could dig that deep about a movie we'd just seen in the theater, <laughs> it's clear that we can fill it. We have the opposite problem. It's like, can, can we fill <laughs> a podcast the- full of stuff to talk about? Like, very clearly, the problem is... We can't... We cut it down. Yeah, we can't stop talking. We need to get better at that, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, no question that Terminator Genesis... Without Terminator Genesis, we would not be doing this podcast. No. So, we've reached, uh, we've reached the destination. Yeah. Which is why it should be last. And I think that's... It's perfect. Yeah. It, it's, I think our plan worked out well. I'm um, looking forward to it. I did watch it once uh, after it came out on VOD. All right. Don't, tell um, don't say anything. Okay, I didn't really have anything to say. Okay. I saw it once, and right. I'll be watching it again. But yeah, that, that'll be our next episode. Right. And uh, again, like I said, our last episode. It's crazy. We're we're right on the cusp. Yeah, the finish line is in sight. I wasn't sure we were going to make it, but we did. I can't believe we actually. <laughs> well, we haven't done it yet. We got one That's more right. to go. But I don't know if you probably had it recorded. I said, you know, one of us could die in the interim, so we should be <laughs> right. careful of counting our chickens, right? Um, yeah. Let's, so maybe we should just record it tomorrow, like quickly. <laughs> we have to make sure we finish this thing. Yeah, because I think barring death, we're going to get to the finish line. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's so, the show. That's the show. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bad Puns Podcast. The countdown for more YouTube content <laughs> continues. <laughs> Uh, Around the time this episode gets posted, I'll probably be putting YouTube content up again. Excellent. Uh, And if you enjoy the show, please like us and write a favorable review on your podcast app of choice or down in the aforementioned YouTube comments section. Uh, And then the final order of business I have. Well, I guess, you know what? No, you had a little bit, but we don't really need. There were no bodies and there were no puns. It goes without saying. I kind of forgot, but that's fine. So that housekeeping. So my final rule this this (laughs) If there were bodies in this movie, think about that. That would be bad. It would be bad. Documentary film where there's just (laughs) body count of whatever. It would be a significantly different. documentary if there yeah. were bodies in this movie that's the real prank instead of uh hiding his shirt it's like, i'm gonna murder him before the show <laughs> that'll show him uh so i i really had to stretch on this by the way for a rule in a crisis situation but i was glad <laughs> that- losing your t-shirt is a crisis in this movie so <laughs> that's where i would have grabbed that's not what it was okay so when i went back my second time through i was really paying attention to that old-timey music so i wound up borrowing and that's why i had it in the show be ready and able if a friend's going to turn the table is my rule in a crisis situation. <laughs> I love it. I didn't even pick up on that. But, yeah, I can I can just based on the mute song, I can picture where that fits right in. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's it. That's it. We'll be back with Terminator Genesis. Terminator Genesis.